What's up, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Com Chatter. I am so excited for my guest today. I've been watching his comedy group, Anti Donna, on YouTube since before I started my channel. Uh, I love his absurd sense of humor, and you can watch him on Netflix right now in the premiere season of Anti Donna's Big Ol' House of Fun. It is Mark Bonanno. How are you, Mark? I'm great, mate. Thank you so much for having me here. Uh, this is a, a, a true thrill. I've also been watching your things. I'm a little bit of a nerd, um, and I like having Star Wars explained to me. <laughs> I think I think we first talked almost four years ago. Uh, I joined you guys Patreon, and uh, I I think you messaged me and was like, "Oh my god, I'm a big fan!" And I was immediately like, "I want to do something, anything with Mark," uh, <laughs> and you know, being across the world uh that hasn't <laughs> happened but then we kind of the same thing happened on twitter the other day and i was like exactly no, this time it's gonna happen and i had the like perfect thing to do i'd like almost forgotten that we had touch base <laughs> four years ago because but i mean at that time i did not have i didn't have a pc i wasn't streaming i like doing this would have been like so it would have been a nightmare for me. <laughs> like the technic, just honestly, the technicality of jumping on Discord and playing a game or doing something just would have like broken my little brain. So I feel like it's been a long four years, but a good way because now we're going to do it right. It's yeah, friend. it's the perfect time now. And of course, we are going to talk about Star Wars, but I really, I seriously do want to gush about Big Ol' House of Fun for a second because oh really, God, it was so funny. I've watched it twice so far, and I watched it twice oh like God. in the same day. Uh, that's so kind of you it Thank was you. so good um I, I mean how is it feeling to be a netflix like, star now well <laughs> let's not go crazy but um there is some there's some not so stuff happening like uh you know uh, the response has felt like overwhelmingly positive of course we get the same sort of stuff that we get on youtube anytime we go big on youtube which is um you know, you get a couple of people who are just like, this is the worst thing I have ever seen. And like, just unequivocally, this is not funny, right? But comedy is subjective. And also, I've always, my whole life, my whole, whole life, I've always wanted to make art that is divisive because the stuff I've always loved has been that divisive. Things like uh, Tim and Eric, for example, is probably the biggest one that comes to mind where... I was just obsessed with them when I found out about them just as I was finishing high school. I was like completely fucking obsessed. I'm so sorry. I was completely <laughs> obsessed. I was completely obsessed. And um, anyone I showed it to, anyone I showed it to despised it and was just like couldn't understand how anyone, let alone me, found it funny. So if we've managed to do that with our show, that's very exciting to me because that's the stuff I grew up on and loved. And it feels that way. It feels that way. It's just that there's more people saying they hate it now because we've, <laughs> we're on a larger platform, you know. But I've got friends in New York who walked down to Times Square the other day and sent us a video of our billboard yeah. in Times Square. And that was like my brain melted, man. It was that stuff is like, wow, like huge, huge kind of like ridiculous 
things are happening that, uh, you know, I, I didn't even dream of because I didn't even think dreaming of it was, was a fair thing to do to myself. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so it's been, it's been great. Thank you for saying you've watched it twice. We've had a lot of that. A lot of people have been like, I'm on my second or third rewatch, which is like such a compliment, such, such a huge compliment. So it's been great. Um, it's been great. That's that's awesome. I mean, we we watched it. My wife and I watched it uh, early on Wednesday, and then we hopped on Discord with our friends later that night. And we were, yeah. I was like, oh, it's great because they all know Auntie Donna. And then we were just like on Discord watching YouTube sketches together. And then we were like, what are we doing? <laughs> like, let's just all, we just watched the Netflix series together right then. <laughs> uh, and it was a great night. We all just laughing as if we were together again. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, that's so cool to hear, man. That's so cool to hear. We've been, we've been so lucky and like the show, uh, I'm so proud of the show, like impossibly proud of it because, um, Netflix, when we're making it with Netflix, we, we didn't really get a lot of notes on tone or style or content, you know? So it is heavy with Australian references. It's heavy with references to the university we all studied at, which is literally there's like 50 people who will understand those jokes and those references, right? There's references that are specifically Victorian because I live in Victoria, one of the, one of the bottom states in Australia, one of the southern states in Australia. Um, and then there's sort of like general Australian ones. And we never got notes about that. We never got, that doesn't make sense. That's not going to appeal to a world market. The notes we got from Netflix were always like, very structural, you know, this sketch is going on for too long. Sometimes we got notes from them and our producers that was like, this isn't weird enough. <laughs> and when we were getting those notes, I was like, I love, I, I love you, Netflix. I love you, Netflix. <laughs> so, cause like, so episode four, which is about dating, the theme around that episode is dating. That was originally episode two. And when we'd first written it, it was just Broden going on a date. And, uh, and there was a few other differences. And they they said to us, they were like, this isn't weird enough. All the other shows are weird and they take these great left turns and this one feels a little vanilla compared to the others. So we're like, all right. So we went back to the writer's room and we're like, it's all three of us going on the date and we're going to put Moogie Woogie in it, which is this bizarre podcast character that's literally all they say is Moogie Woogie, right? And we made all these changes to make it weird and then we got to the edit and we put it together and they were like, it's too weird. <laughs> For episode two, it's too weird. Let's bump it to episode four, please. Oh, well, I like, like that, that it wasn't like, it's too weird, let's not do it. It's like, let's just move it down the line. Yeah, yeah, because it's like a thing is like episode two apparently is where people make their choice mm. about whether they're going to keep watching or not. Mm. So you don't want to freak them out too much. You don't want to have a scene where a man mimes out, mimes out an entire saga <laughs> of him going home and making love to his partner. Um, you don't want that in episode two. You might want to think of putting something else there. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, finally! Wow. So, yeah. Okay. If if oh, here we go, never, we're in the game. Yeah. If you've never seen this show before, we play. We're supposed to be playing Star Wars Squadrons while we talk, but I assume uh, <laughs> being literally on opposite sides of the world, uh, the matchmaking going to take take a second. Yeah. Now I've only played a little bit of this, um, but I'm 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 aware of what the spaceships do 
in Star Wars, uh, and I've played a lot of like Rogue Squadron and Battlefront and stuff. Um, the only one, uh, what is the U? What can you break down the U wing for me? Oh, it's a support ship. Oh, so it's like a healer. Uh, exactly. Oh, right. Okay. Okay. Well, we're searching for a game again after uh, the first lobby failed, but. Uh, you, you had a very smooth transition into talking about other Star Wars games. Uh, you obviously are a huge Star Wars nerd. So what was your introduction to Star Wars like? When did you first get into it? So uh, I, I'm, I feel uh, I, I love the way I got into Star Wars, right? Because uh, I got to fall in love with Star Wars um, at the cinema, right? Because when I was, how old was I? When I was like nine, when I was nine in, in 1997, um, the special editions came out into the cinema, uh-huh. right? The 20th year anniversary special editions, right? And I remember all three of them, like I've got this memory burnt into my brain of uh, going to my local cinema and seeing like Star Wars A New Hope, Star Wars The Empire Strikes Back, Star Wars Return of the Jedi up on the cinema board and the session times, yeah. right? So the first time I ever saw Star Wars, I got to experience it in the cinema as a kid, you know? And when I think about that now, it's like I had that sort of experience that people in 77 had where you were just blown away by something that was so... Like, because still at that time, nothing really like Star Wars had been done again or had, like, you know, hit that, that um, because, you know, now we've got Marvel mm-hmm. and now we've got other things that maybe you've done that for kids that Star Wars did for people in the past. But I feel like I got to, I got to get, get um, smashed with it again. So it was just an awesome experience it was an awesome awesome experience and then of course you know we got them all on vhs and then wore the tapes out and then a couple years later the prequels started coming out so i watched them you know i went to midnight screenings through high school and stuff to watch those it was just that's how i ended up falling in love that's how i started falling in love with it anyway but that's uh we are very close to the same age and so that's kind of i always think that i got to join the Star Wars fandom at the perfect time. Because, yeah, 97, yeah. we got to see the movies. Two years later, uh, the prequels start to come out. And and we were, like, still young enough that we were just like, yes, this is amazing, and didn't have any of the uh, the reaction that some of the older fans had. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I didn't know. And when, I'm, and when like, and when, um, Phant- uh, uh, I was about to say Phantom of the Opera, when The <laughs> Phantom Menace came out, um, I was just a little boy and I had a great time at the cinema yeah. watching that. You know, I, I look back on it now and I have some, as a writer and as someone who wants to make things, uh, I have a little bit of a different perspective on it. But as a kid, I was like, lightsabers! Exactly. Oh, like, it was just, it was sick. Uh, there, there's something, I was listening to you, you were on... Uh, friend of the show steel wars uh you did his podcast a few years back and so i was like oh i should listen to this for research because i'm a professional and yeah right uh you talked about turning your adult brain off uh and just kind of like enjoying the star wars that's put in front of you and i absolutely think that sometimes you just got to do that 
Yeah, yeah, 100%. Especially, I think I was talking about that in re- in regards to um, uh, Return of the Jedi. Uh-huh. Where, as a kid, it was always my favorite, right? And then I got older and I started to analyze it more. And I was like, oh, I actually don't think I like it that much. I'm dead already. I'm, I don't know what I'm doing. Um, I'm going to try my hardest here. Um, that's that's but, uh, the point of the show. <laughs> <laughs> but, um... Yeah, I, uh, I, uh, God, oh my God, what was I saying? Oh, this is so intense. Um, yeah, it was Return of the Jedi. It was always my favorite as a kid, right? And then, and then I got older and I was like, I don't know if I love it as much. But if I turn my brain off, it is, it is my favorite because it's got Ewoks, which are cute. They're cute as hell. And like, and I love that. And, um, you know, like, yeah, it repeats itself a little with the second Death Star, but I just have to be like, don't worry about that, you know? And But also it has my favourite scenes out of any of those early Star Wars films. Like, still, the, the Luke and Vader stuff is so dark. It's so dark when you think about it. And uh, it's so cool that it's in there, but it does feel like it's sort of oscillating between being a movie that's very like that's doing something very deep and very dark and very emotional which i love i love that in my star wars but then it's also a film for little babies uh-huh and that's okay i think that's okay as an adult i go i don't like that but as a kid i'm getting everything i want out of that movie i'm getting lighthearted fun and silliness right mm. but i'm also getting that sort of like oh my god this is actually genuinely quite spooky and terrifying and emotionally resonant you know yeah um that and that's yeah that's what i kind of meant about turning my brain off sure yeah. uh what what would you say is your favorite star wars story at all not necessarily uh a movie but mm. oh it's it's a that's a it's a tough one right yeah because i definitely think like i mean most as most people would say like empire is like I just a perfect sci-fi film, in my opinion. Um, I, lo- I love everything about that. But in recent times, man, like Star Wars Legends, I've come to really like uh, the comic series. Mm-hmm. Um, that's like really, really cool. And and when I when I because uh, I just personally wasn't a huge fan of the um, sequel trilogy, sure, uh, of the Disney sequel trilogy. And when I reread Legends, uh, I was like, I was like, oh man, there's so much interesting stuff here. It's very adult, so I understand why that maybe wasn't the um, uh, the pitch for it. But you know, like, have you read Star Wars Legends? Oh yeah, Legacy or, or, or Legacy, Legacy? You mean? Sorry, not Legends. <laughs> Legacy. I'm such a doofus. Um, uh, yeah, uh, Legacy. You know, it's the the whole thing about. I love that it's. It, it kind of does what the new Watchmen series did, which just sets it way in the future. You know, everything that happened in the in the in the original trilogy is is but a memory, but the uh-huh. echoes of it still exist. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it's about Luke Skywalker's grandson or great grandson, and he's a bounty hunter, and it's so dark and it's so just like interesting, and the you know, and it's about that call. He's like, you know, trying to uh, uh, forget about the fact 
that is supposed that he's got this legacy of the Skywalkers behind him, and he just wants to forget about that and do his own thing. But then he's basically pushed into a corner, and it's like Judy calls. You have to become who you are, and it's just such a fascinating story. So that's very high for me in terms of my favorite. But in recent times as well, Mandalorian is just. <laughs> It's just phenomenal, and and the new season, I am loving, absolutely loving, and so keen to see where it goes. So H- have you seen the most recent episode? Yes, I have. Okay, good. Yes, I have. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I loved it. I absolutely loved it. Me too. It's 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 another one like I'm a little I'm a little bit chomping at the bit at the moment to get to sort of what they set up at the end of the first episode. Um, uh-huh. uh, spoilers, spoilers. But like, I'm a bit like, when's when's Boba Fett coming back into this, or is he? I hope he is, because uh, I'm really, I really hope he is, because I love Boba Fett. Um, and uh, you know, the last two episodes have just been that very cowboy-esque, serialized single adventure. It's all got a beginning, middle, and end, and not, you know, progressing the the overall narrative a little bit. But um, oh man, I hope we get to some Boba Fett stuff soon, because I am so excited, so excited for it but yeah, the first season, the finale of the first season was like one of the best Star Wars things I've ever seen, after I watched, the, so after I watched the first episode of Mando mm-hmm. I was like, I think I've fallen back in love with Star Wars, because I was a little shaky with the Disney stuff, and I haven't been sure where it was going or what they were doing with it and and again i didn't love the sequel trilogy but when i saw that uh when i saw the first episode of the new season of mando and then i watched the last season of clone wars <laughs> yeah i was, was like too. i was like yeah i was like i'm turning into a fanboy again big time feloni give me more feloni <laughs> just feloni me up to the absolute to the to my breaking point I want to get overwhelmed with Filoni. Well, and the fact that now, uh, like after yesterday's episode, uh, like that Bo-Katan stuff just... Oh, that was so cool. Wasn't that cool? Yeah, it keeps doing things that I'm like, I cannot believe we're actually getting to see this, like, in live action. Yeah, I I, I love that Filoni's very much just gone, I've created so much of a world and I've done so much stuff, and it feels like second season they're letting him run with that you know like yeah. first season felt a bit more all the references were to older star wars stuff or more general star wars stuff that more general fans would have known mm-hmm. and this feels like they've allowed feloni to go okay this the section of star wars lore that that you have created you, you can bring that into this live action sure stuff. and that's super exciting super exciting and not only that but like the Cobb Vanth stuff in the first episode uh yeah. I, I was yeah. flipping out over that and still am I, I've got a I've got my Cobb Vanth uh cardboard cutout behind me oh really <laughs> yeah. oh yes oh yes there it is because he's in Aftermath right uh-huh. I think I remember I bought Aftermath at like a when I was touring once uh, I bought it uh, just in like a airport um bookstore and uh and read through it pretty quick. Don't remember a lot of it, but when I was watching it, I was like, this is familiar. And I didn't fully... <laughs> then I had to look it up, and I was like, oh, right. Um, I want you to know, in the game, I am doing nothing but flying out and getting killed immediately. I haven't seen an X-Wing. I don't know if I'm shooting at the right stuff. 
I, I am I am not helping, and if we're losing, it's my fault. Just so you know. <laughs> Just so you know. <laughs> uh, give it give a tie bomber a shot. Uh, they're a little chunkier. They okay. They take more damage, so that that's what I'm flying right now, actually. All right. Well, that's good to know. I want to try and take out a. Uh, I want to try and take out at least one. At least one TIE Fighter. I haven't seen a single TIE Fighter. Uh, do you know how to target? Oh, I don't know how to do it on mouse and keyboard. It's, I think That's... it's T. I think I hold T. Yeah, the mouse and keyboard was not the smartest decision of my life, but I couldn't get I couldn't get the other thing working. So uh, I was like, this is what I'm going to have to do. And I'm living with that decision. Regretting it, but living with it. Um, okay, oh, look. Oh, we're defending. We're doing well. Um, but yeah, what about you? What's your favorite? I'd love to know your favorite Star Wars story. Oh, I mean, uh, yeah. A New Hope is I'm, the one that's kind of like my gold standard. That's the one that I fell oh, in yes. love with. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But for me, more recently, uh, Fallen Order, the, the game that came out last year. Oh, I yeah, 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 yeah. I loved that game to death. Oh, that's cool. Um, I, I, haven't, I haven't been able to, uh, to play that. But I, I think... I mean, Mandalorian is also definitely turning into something that just, again, it's stuff that I never thought that I would get to see as a Star Wars fan, yeah. where it's like, it feels like they're fulfilling that promise of, yeah, the books and the comics and everything matters, and those TV shows yeah. that you watched, like, it, we're tying it all together, and it feels so good. That's that's how I, when I, when, um, when Boba Fett turned up, right, at the end of the, at the end of the new episode. Yeah. Of the season premiere. I was like, my reaction was like, Filoni is rewarding me for all the stuff I've had to sit through that maybe hasn't been that great, right? Like, <laughs> in my opinion, because like, I loved how they revealed Boba Fett. That to me was like huge and so well done because it's complete fan service, right? And uh -huh. fan service can be good, good or bad. Mostly I've only ever seen fan services sort of bad or badly done. And this was the first time where it was like, you just, you know, you're getting the most popular character that everyone loves, you're putting them in your show, but the way you did it was so cool and so classy and so, like, watching that with my partner, who isn't a huge Star Wars fan, but knows who Boba Fett is, mm -hmm. right? Watched that and didn't know what the hell was going on, right? Sure. Got the sense that there's this reveal of someone, but didn't know who it was or what it was. But if you've sat through the prequels, if you've, in my opinion, endured the prequels, right? For me, it was like, it's, it's, that paid off. It's paid off because I got it. I got what they were doing, you know? Uh -huh. And the fact that he was writing a land speeder that was made out of Anakin's old, um, pod racer right uh -huh. like all that stuff was like it's so deep and and well it's not that deep but deep cut. it's like <laughs> you're yeah it's a bit of a deep cut a bit of a deep cut the Boba Fett things maybe a little bit sure. more but it was like he's obviously such a fan and he knows so much about the lore and he obviously loves all eras of Star Wars and that love that Filoni has for it shines through and that's really cool. Being a fan and getting to see all of that is really cool, I think. Oh, yeah. I, if I any think, of that makes sense. Yeah, I, I absolutely think that's true about 
Star Wars uh, all the time of just like, yeah, you know what? Sometimes you're not going to enjoy. Oh, God. I just crashed. Um, <laughs> you're, you're not going to enjoy every single story, but I think Star Wars is a universe that uh, almost always brings stuff back around where it's like, hey, you know, I didn't really like that movie the first time I saw it or that game or book or whatever, but so many yeah. times they will they will take something from it and just make you appreciate it that much more. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, see, that's been that's been a, it's been a real thrill, you know. And I can't wait till next week where I think we see um, Asuka, uh, which is going to be crazy. I, I'm actually going to guess that we're not going to see yeah. Ahsoka yet. That, that's oh, just sorry, my. Yes, sorry. Uh, oh no, either way, uh, like yeah. I, I don't think. I, I think they're going to drag that out a little bit longer. Kind of like Boba Fett. I think they're going to tease yeah, some right. stuff. Ahsoka, I do that think, will be sense. in the season. But yeah, I think it's going to be more than one episode. Maybe she won't be in it until the finale or something. Like, maybe it's going to be very difficult uh, for him to get to it. I don't know. But it's so cool. I love that, I love that she's in it. It's just, like, such a cool move. Oh, man, I'm so excited. Especially after that last season of The Clone Wars. Like... It was, because my, you know, like, a lot of the Clone Wars is very Saturday morning cartoon, mm -hmm. and a lot of it I, I liked but didn't love, but then this final season, especially the last four episodes, I felt like they went as adult as you could have gone, and the way the action was done, and the fact that they mo-capped the, like, the lightsaber fights, and how far the animation style it had had uh, developed uh -huh. it was just it was perfect it was perfect star wars stuff um man well i, I, I think was just i was gushing yeah <laughs> well i think a lot of that stuff um so clone wars you're, you're right originally it was saturday morning cartoon like for yeah. kids uh because it was for like a younger demographic but that show gets darker as it goes on it ages up mm. with its audience and now season seven like the people that grew up with the Clone Wars are in their twenties, like at the at the yeah. youngest. So they're like, yeah, yeah. Let's, we're going to go more adult with it. And I think that's true of probably every era of Star Wars. Like um, the sequel trilogy, I think was aimed to bring in a new generation. Uh, uh, yeah, and it, yeah. it feels like the books, the comics, the Mandalorian, these TV series they're doing. I think that's almost going to be like the stuff that sustains us <laughs> if that makes yes. sense yeah yeah very much so very much so well I, I hope that with the new movies like with Taika Waititi doing mm -hmm, a new mm -hmm. movie which is like so exciting because his like that finale of Mandalorian so I good. was I, I just freaked out like because I've been a big Taika Waititi fan since I was like in high school when I first saw I Boy um, uh, the second feature film he ever did and uh and then you know what he did with marvel was like really cool and really exciting i'm not a huge fan of the like smaller one-off marvel films i love the avengers sort of sagas um i think they're really well done like just crazy epic storytelling you know like kind of like it feels like what maybe it would have felt like to watch ben hur when ben hur first came out you sure. know yeah, uh, yeah i really like that but i thought what he did was really cool and and just the way he's able to bring sort of his storytelling, his humor, his sentimentalities to like the big studio system 
which I think gets lost on a lot of like uh, kind of more esoteric filmmakers. You know how they had like um, what's his face was originally doing Ant Man. Uh, Edgar Wright, Wright was yeah. originally yeah was originally doing Ant Man, but then obviously it was like oh I just want to make an Edgar Wright film, and Marvel's like well you kind of have to make a Marvel film, and then yeah. they're falling out, and that happens constantly with these big studios when they get interesting filmmakers. But someone like Tyke is really fascinating because I feel like he's worked out how to navigate through those big studios and still make something that's really interesting to his tone, to his style, and just tells, like, a great story. Yeah. You know? Oh, there was, yeah. did, did you watch the gallery, the behind-the-scenes thing that they did for The Mandalorian? Oh, no, I haven't watched that yet. You'd I probably really like it, yet. but Taika says something yeah? I liked a lot. It was like, Star Wars isn't always serious but it does always mm. take itself seriously so like that's so, oh that's amazing yeah yeah <laughs> like that's star wars so- is so goofy but it, it it doesn't treat itself as goofy and i love that yes yeah yeah and i think that was like that was my problem with the with the last jedi if i may level <laughs> some criticism was that I felt like um, there were times when it didn't take itself, it didn't take itself seriously, and it went into the, it went into the goofiness, a little too much, mm-hmm. um, and that's such a great, that's such a great point because yeah, it's not about stripping it of humor, it's not about making it devoid of fun, um, that's 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 absolutely a huge part of Star Wars and always has been like, you know, like with the droids with with C three PO and R two D two, they're always so. They're silly. They're silly characters, you know? Yeah. But the world, the environment, the stakes, what's happening is is always very grounded and very huge. Um, oh, he's so smart. He's so smart. I'm in love with him. Well, that's like... I, I Yeah, I love that take on Star Wars. And um, I, the, it's weird, the more Star Wars stories that we get, especially from different filmmakers and I kind of knew the second they were like yeah we're gonna do more movies I was like oh boy like that just means some of them I'm gonna love to death and some of them I won't Um, yeah but yeah like I I think that there's plenty of room for those movies that just like yeah they don't always land with me but yeah yeah yeah, definitely definitely oh god alright look I think I'm about to kill a Y-wing I think I'm about get to him, kill my first water wing. I'm trying. I'm trying. It's hard. The mouse and the keyboard. Keyboard was a mistake. I don't know if I got him. I got an assist. I got an assist. <laughs> That's very exciting for me. <laughs> With this big, sh- do we just shoot it anywhere? Okay. So, yes, you can. Uh, if you see yeah. these like venting gases, do you see that? Oh yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, those are weak points that you can hit, and okay. it'll do like extra damage. Wait, all right, that is that is so great to hear. Um, oh my god, this, this, this game is very cool, but <laughs> very confusing. <laughs> well, I mean, this is what the second time you picked it up. <laughs> it is the second time I picked it up. All right, I'm gonna switch to a bummer. All right, here we go. You suggested to do that a long time ago. Uh, when I do, you drop a bomb. Like how, how it happens in Star Wars? Does it come out of your booty? Yeah, it'll go and it straight out your down? butt. Uh-huh. Oh, that's great. That's fantastic to hear. <laughs> all right. All right. And, oh, no. So did you uh, grow up playing video games as well? 
Star Wars video um, games. Yeah, I did we win? Yeah. Oh my god! <laughs> Go Mark! Um Yeah, yeah, I uh I'm trying to think of the first the first experience I had with a Star Wars video game from memory was Shadows of the Empire, mm-hmm. which uh you collabed a little bit with a mutual friend of ours, Mr. Sunday Movies. Yeah. On doing a uh a retrospective of Shadows of the Empire. Probably one of my favorite things i've seen on the internet i I just i loved it so much it was it was just really cool and really well done and really thought out so thank you for helping him out we all know he doesn't know that much about star wars it's always Um, i I always like think that oh well just because they're australian doesn't mean they all know each other but then it's like all the australians (laughs) i know do know each other do know each other well it's like it's that thing in oz when you start making stuff, if it gets to a certain level, if you if you reach a certain sort of um, uh, peak, uh, it's it's not that big of a country, and and it does get around. And if you are in that world, um, usually, eventually, you'll run into each other because <laughs> there's a lot of people that I know, and uh, especially from the online world, and it's literally just been because we all become mutual fans of each other because you hear among the grapevine that there's this great thing that's happening and it's Australian and, and Aussies, I think a lot of the time want to be like, Oh, well that's, well, I, I got to watch that, you know, because we don't have as many people doing it. Right. Essentially. <laughs> um, so yeah. Uh, so that's cool. We do know each other. I was, <laughs> I did a podcast with him just the other week, which was really fun. I went to, went to his house saw his things it was very exciting um <laughs> but uh i'm trying to think of what else like i've got great memories of playing rogue squadron um you know like when i had an n64 mm-hmm. i just i just ate up everything star wars that i could but then i stopped playing games for a very long time and i only really picked up video games and gaming um maybe three years ago oh yeah uh yeah and and the the re the the way that happened was my partner for Christmas bought me a PS4, uh, a Star Wars PS4 with Darth Vader on it when the, when Battlefront the new Battlefront mm-hmm. came yeah, out, yeah. and I I played the hell out of that game, man. I loved it. It was genuinely feeling like a little kid again, like being on the Hoth map and jumping into a snow speeder. And like taking down the ATATs and stuff, it was it was so thrilling. And doing that with my mates, you know, we we, you know, get four of us together, and oh, it was a thrill. And then Battlefront Two didn't do it for me as much because I feel like it didn't have. I can't believe they took that mode out. I can't believe they took out Walker Assault and that you couldn't go in the Hoth and take down an ATAT, which is just the most exciting thing <laughs> to do. In a Star Wars video game, it's so cool. It's the battle, you know what I mean? It's the most iconic battle. That's um, why it's in every Star Wars game, except for Battlefront 2, I, I guess. <laughs> except for Battlefront 2. Like, what the heck, man? Um, but also, I'm just a bit of a purist, and, like, uh, it didn't have as much um, original trilogy content, mm-hmm. uh, whereas I love that the first Battlefront was just original trilogy and it the the nostalgia that it made me feel which i know is like probably the biggest reason i loved and played that game but but um 
having said that, I do think it was actually a fun game, albeit, a, you know, not the best release. Oh, hello. <laughs> Who's this? Oh, wait, is that someone in the game chatting to us? Oh, yeah, you might have voice chat on. <laughs> oh, you do. I'm so sorry. I that's have right. voice chat on. Uh, I can't hear him. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Someone was just like, hello? And I thought they jumped into this Discord. And I was like, that's terrifying. All right, voice chat is off now. Um, that won't happen again, my friend. No, I've actually invited a bunch of critics of Auntie Donna to just hop into the Discord and yell at you whenever. <laughs> <laughs> Good move. Um, Just keep you on your uh, toes. I'm ready for it. I'm ready for it. I've read all the one-star reviews on Internet Movie Database. Isn't that um, like you just can't help but sometimes seek that stuff out? I I see. I have a very interesting relationship with um uh, with criticism. I it really doesn't affect me when the art is criticized. Mm -hmm. In fact, I welcome it, and I love it when it's just super negative like where it's like i watched this for 10 seconds and i had to switch it off because i've never hated anything more in my life like i said when it's that when people have that reaction to something i've created and then people are also like this is a masterpiece <laughs> both i think are unreasonable right <laughs> but i appreciate both right and i i quite what i don't like is when sometimes they'll attack us me in particular uh, personally for the way that we look and i'm like that's unnecessary you're just a mean-spirited person uh -huh. and uh and that's that can sometimes um genuinely affect me but when you talk about my art which is subjective and meant to cause like a visceral reaction go for it i love it i absolutely love it i welcome it all right so same deal here. I've yeah. gone a Y wing. Are you a Y wing? Uh, I went A wing for now. I'll probably hop into a Y wing later. You're gonna be very you zippy. You're gonna, gonna be zipping through. Yeah, I'm gonna zip around. I'm gonna. I'm gonna try to. Actually, I'll just stick near you. Okay. I'll see if, I'll see if I wouldn't do that. I'll make things bad for you. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit. Oh, okay. Oh, that's the. Oh, that's the proton torpedo button. I think. <laughs> Um, so we were talking earlier about just like, yeah. To, oh wow, we got that fast. Uh, turn on our, turn off your adult brain. Turn off your brain. What is your yeah, yeah, yeah. favorite like, just goofy, silly, off the wall thing in Star Wars? In Star Wars? Yeah. Um. Uh. That's a. That's a. That's an absolute, wonderful question. I'm still a bit of a. I like. I don't think there has been any comedic characters in Star Wars that are as good as the R2-D2 C-3PO combo in the original trilogy. Like, it's genuinely funny. And how George Lucas wrote, like, genuinely funny characters, I don't know. <laughs> like, because I would not consider George Lucas a great comedy writer. Um, you know, I think he's a great thinker. I think he's got some, some amazing ideas. But is he a comedy writer? I don't know. But those... I just... And I don't think there's anything else quite like them. Like, again, when I think about, like, Marvel movies and stuff, uh -huh. um, I think there's... You know, which is kind of like the closest comparison for, for a lot of this stuff in terms of modern, big-budget, epic storytelling. 
they have they have a lot of goofs, they have a lot of gags, right? And and kind of every character, most characters get their funny goofy moment. Sure. But what's amazing in Star Wars, what I what I love, especially about the original trilogy, is like Han Solo is very dry, but he's not necessarily funny or goofy, right? Luke and Leia take themselves very seriously, especially Luke. He's like, he does not muck around that guy. There's not a goofy moment in him. But R2-D2 and C-3PO are just these per this perfect comedy duo of this, like, uptight butler and then this just, like, dirty little thing that just makes, like, obviously is just making the most abhorrent, like... <laughs> Stabs at people and is very rude and is super cynical, <laughs> you know, and doesn't talk. You don't actually hear anything that 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 they're saying. Comedically, yeah. as someone who considers themselves to be a comic writer, I don't think it gets better than that, you know. <laughs> and 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 I would argue that even those Marvel films don't have that. And there's nothing on that scale, on that level, that I think has even come close to how perfectly those characters are um, uh, created and executed. In my humble little opinion. <laughs> Bit of a stock answer, but I feel very passionately about that. Uh, you know? Yeah, no, I think that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, who, who would you say is your favorite... Uh, uh, this is one of my favorite questions to ask people. Who, who's your favorite, yeah. like, B or C tier character? Just, like, not a Luke or Leia, Han. Like, uh -huh. no Darth uh -huh. Vader's. Uh -huh. But who's uh -huh. your favorite side character that you don't oh, think uh, gets enough attention? Dr. Afra. Yeah? I love Dr. Afra. I'm a huge, huge fan of the like solo comic series yeah um i've read bits and pieces of uh when she sort of came in with in the vader um comics but when i got into the vader comics they'd sort of rebooted it and moved on and that's also some of my favorite star wars comic stuff um but the solo dr afro series is like phenomenal and not enough people know about her and i would love to see her get the attention i think she deserves in like a Mandalorian-esque series, yeah, yeah. which I heard a little while ago they're developing, and it broke my heart because I was like, I want to do that. <laughs> like, like I've got, and this is so silly. This, thank you for the shield. You're welcome. I'm just, I'm just hiding behind you, and I'm gonna try to keep you alive. Okay, oh well, God! I'm... I said as you're exploding. Oh God, no! It still says I'm a hundred. It still says I'm a hundred. Oh, no, you're alive. I just like there were a lot the of explosions coming off of you right there. Oh, right, right, right. Um. Yeah, like, because I know I'm a goofball, and uh, I, I imagine if people watched the Auntie Donna series, they would think and probably assume correctly that I'd have no business um, doing anything like Star Wars-esque, right? Uh-huh. But, but I, the place I want to go sort of with my career is in that sort of Taika Waititi-style... Um, uh, God, I want to emulate those sort of those sorts of careers, yeah. right? And I would love in my later years, maybe in my 40s or maybe in my 50s, to be able to tell stories within the franchises that I love and that, you know, I grew up with. And I've got, like, 
a breakdown, a very loose breakdown of what I do with a Dr. Aphra series. <laughs> because when I was reading the comics, I was just so inspired by it, and I love the way that it folds into, like, the original trilogy mythos and stuff, and, like, that's the stuff that really grabbed me and made me obsessed with it. You know, these side characters that are seemingly going about their own their own business and then boom all of a sudden you know they've run into something that's happened in a new hope you uh -huh. know or they're there at the aftermath like there's a bit i think it's in like the third or fourth issue of um of uh the dr afra series maybe it's after the end of the first i don't know when it is but it was the moment i got hooked was when she's just going about her thing and then she finds out she has to there's this artifact that she has to go grab and she's like, alright, so she's traveling through the galaxy and she's trying to get there and and then at the end of the issue she lands on the planet she peels back this bush to see it and it's the temple on Yavin uh -huh. and it's like, been occupied by uh, stormtroopers so it's like, right after they would have blown up the Death Star and yeah. had their ceremony and then the Empire would have been like, where are them, found them, and then... So all that is assumed and you just get this splash page of her seeing the temple, it's fully occupied, and you're like, oh my god! <laughs> all of... Like, everything that's been happening that I've been reading has been happening while they've been trying to blow up the Death Star and this is just post that... And then you're like, you know, and up until then, it hasn't really given you full context for where the series is set. Uh-huh. And so then it all comes together on this one splash page, and it's like, I love that. I love that kind of stuff. That's the stuff that, as a fan, really gets me excited. And, um, yeah, so she's, she's my absolute favourite. I love her stories. I love... I love the way that she's just constantly betraying everyone to the point where you're like, I, you are a bad person. You know? yeah. And a character that that's deplorable. Like, Han Solo is a smuggler with a heart of gold, and she's a smuggler, and she does not have a heart of gold. Uh, accurate, and yes. That is super appealing to me. Super appealing to me. Um, in terms of the complexity of the character and the kinds of stories you could tell. Uh, with and about that is that she's just letting everyone especially the audience she's constantly letting them down because she's yeah. so selfish something like that's never been told in Star Wars before I think that's why it appealed to me so much I acted surprised when you said Afra. I guess I was just hoping that was still your answer. But, like, again, you you were talking about Afra back in your Steel Wars thing, and I, I knew I was like, we're going to have a, a good time. Oh, was I? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was still, and that's when it was, like, new. Yeah, it was, that, like, I'd only new. sort of, like, yeah, I'd only just discovered Afra around then. Um, uh, so that's super interesting. I'd forgotten completely that I'd talked about That was so long ago. Um, oh, God, did I kill someone? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. I'm trying my hardest. I'm sorry if I'm letting the team down. <laughs> We're doing pretty well. Are we? Yeah. Oh, that's so great to hear. <laughs> I'm trying to fire these proton torpedoes. <laughs> you're doing great. I think that's what I'm doing. Thanks, man. But yeah, oh, yes, I mean, you resupplied me. I, I was excited that uh, it just... Y you read the books and comics. I was like, yes, like... Someone who, yeah, I'm into it. I'm going to be able to talk to that. Like, I mean, just most people don't. 
which is fine. Like, don't want to like be any gatekeeping over here, but I'm just excited to hear uh, that you're into that stuff. Well, yeah, for me, it was like I've always been the well, not always been, but like um, have gotten quite into Star Wars. Uh, uh, we've quite gotten quite into comics. Mm -hmm. Sorry, um, over the last little while, and uh, when I was sort of not really feeling the Disney films. Um, I didn't know where to go for Star Wars stuff, and uh, and then when I started learning about, you know, all the things that all the kinds of stories that have been told in comics, mm -hmm. um, in the Star Wars universe, it's sort of where I retreated to to fill that gap in my life because uh, I needed something, I needed something, and I felt like I wasn't getting it out of the films anymore. So I haven't fully deep dived in, in deep dived into things, um, but uh, the stuff that I have read and the stuff that I have gotten into, like that newer Darth Vader series that came out, which I think the first sort of arc told the story about Vader uh, getting his lightsaber, right? Yeah, finding his lightsaber. That that, that oh, man. man, that series is fantastic. Incredible. The whole series was like. I was just like, this is this is where Star Wars is going to live for me for the next little while. Oh, I love you know? that attitude. Like, I mean, that's what I tell people. Like, um, in the past, what, five, six years uh, of Star Wars content, uh, yeah. the movies, I I've enjoyed them well enough, but my favorite Star Wars stories have not been the films. They've been yeah. coming yeah. from the video games and the TV series and... Uh, that's that's I just Star Wars is so much more than just the movies that if you're not satisfied by one thing like you can almost always find what you want somewhere else definitely definitely it's so big it's so expansive you know and I haven't read for a long time I haven't read uh, any of the novels but when I was uh, when I was a little younger when I was in high school I was really obsessed with a lot of I'd go to the library like I go to my local library kind of every weekend yeah and just get out whatever whatever novel they had based you know and and there was one i can't i, I can't remember the name of it it might have been called rise of the empire but it was about darth vader and it took place right after um rise of the sith maybe it was rise of uh, the sith it's rise of something rise might maybe rise of the dark lord or something like that yes i think you're right i think it's rise of the dark lord and it's it's just about uh, Vader and sort of and just a concept that I thought was brilliant at the time. I was like, this is so cool that it's like Order sixty six happened, not everyone died, not all the Jedi's died, some escaped, you know, and like the Clone Wars final season looked into that as well, which was cool. But this was my first experience of like that happened, and it's about Vader hunting down Jedi. Right, uh -huh. and it can force between Vader's point of view and a uh, and a and a Jedi, and I, that's escaping. I can't remember what Jedi it was. I'd be interested to go back and read about that now, actually. Um, but uh, I thought that was incredible and really cool. But the one moment that's always stuck with me. Do you remember the um, the epilogue to that book? The sort of like post. Oh man, I don't the think thing like. <laughs> it's been a long time since I've read that book. It's been a long book. time. Yeah. Yeah, it's the thing that's always stuck with me that I've always been like, this is the coolest stuff ever, right? Where it just, it takes place in a bar in Tatooine. And uh, and it's just talking about the bar and, and what's going on in the bar. And then it focuses in on Obi-Wan, uh -huh. who's in the bar. 
and he's sitting in the corner and he's watching over his shoulder and a very young Luke Skywalker is there with his auntie and his uncle. And so he's there and he's just keeping watch, right? But he's not making himself known. He's just sort of like checking it out. And then uh, from my memory, you know, Luke and his family get up and they leave the bar and then Obi-Wan gets to get up and leave and then something comes on the TV and they show an image of Darth Vader, right? And the news is like, who is this guy? Where is this dude come from? He looks like to be the Emperor's right-hand man. Yeah. And Obi-Wan, like, drops his drink and realises in that moment that it's Anakin and Anakin isn't dead. That's, I really and, hope the Kenobi series deals with exactly that. Oh, wouldn't that be cool to have that moment in it? Like, I just, and I've, it gives me tingles even thinking about it because <laughs> I, I just, I love that. I love looking into the, into the law in that way. It's like, I, like me, I was having that realization where it was like, of course, Obi-Wan would have thought that Anakin was dead for such a long time and he would have found that out somehow and when he did it would have been really messed up <laughs> it would have been horrifying for him and what it, and i just thought that was a really interesting take on how he found out yeah you know i don't know i love that stuff the obi-wan series i'm so i'm so geared for like you know hoping that they, they're taking pages out of the mandalorian's book in terms of tone and who they're pitching it for. I hope it's pitched for someone like me um, or towards someone like me. That'll be really cool. That'll be really cool. I mean, I think it'll probably be a good bridge for, like, prequel and sequel fans because we're going to get Ewan McGregor. But, yeah, I think... that, that I love that that seems to be something that everyone is just really looking forward to no matter yeah, what era yeah. you came up in. Because McGregor... Ewan McGregor... I love... Ewan McGregor yeah. as Obi-Wan. I thought he was incredible. His acting is incredible. He really holds the whole thing together. I, I don't know how we're winning. I'm doing nothing. You're doing great. I, I, want, you, I want you to know. I'm doing nothing. <laughs> you shot the capital ship. You did You did capital ship Shut damage. You got five kills to assist. What? Really? Yeah. Hey, look at me go. Getting <laughs> kills. Don't even know about it, mate. Don't, <laughs> Don't even, even know about, about it. it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, while we load up our last game here, uh, since you've talked about wanting to write about Star Wars someday down the line, uh, yeah. what, what's your Disney Plus pitch? What would you want to do if you could do anything? Well, aside from the Dr. Aphra series, which would be my first pick, <laughs> absolutely would be my first pick, um... Because, again, I just think she's such an interesting character and, and that type of story, that type of story that has that sort of emotional weight to it or that kind of character has never really been done. So it would be breaking new ground in that sense, I think. Although, you know, the Mandalorian... But I think the Mandalorian is a good person at, at heart, mm -hmm. you know, um, does what needs to be done and will kill people, but I think is a, uh, is a good character and you, and you want them to succeed whereas it would be interesting to put a character like dr afro who is maybe not at their core well i would say not at their core potentially a good person they're sure, a selfish sure. person <laughs> and exploring that really interesting but the other era that i've always wanted to do is like i i i would love to focus on vader and and i do think that what we spoke about before because it's something that resonated with me as a kid 
that era of Vader hunting down Jedi between three and four mm-hmm. and seeing Vader become the most ruthless, terrifying force in the galaxy, that would be interesting because yeah. that's never really been explored outside of comics and um, and novels. And, like, like, I'd love to get Hayden Christensen in to, like, play vader when he's got his mask off and i'd like to do a bit of that kind of stuff um oh man that'd be so much fun (laughs) that'd be so much fun to to play to play around in that area yeah i think yeah yeah because it's i don't know it's like the i guess it's that development like i love i really want to tell stories where where characters that you know sort of change over a period of time or maybe they start as the character that you know and then they they develop into something else or like with vader it's like how did he get to that point is he still struggling with with like morally is he still struggling with things um that that stuff as a writer is really fascinating really interesting yeah i think yeah uh well i do like i said i want to talk about annie donna here at, at the end yeah. because uh again i'm a, a huge fan um so how how was it making that shift from youtube where uh your sketches tend to be like two three minutes long and then you're going mm. to netflix where you're you're doing yeah like sketches that are kind of self-contained but transition into a new one and into a mm. new one for 20 minutes was mm. that challenging was it more fun like what what was the difference there it took a lot of failed stuff <laughs> to get to it so we made two pilots in oz basically we were always told uh or the, or the feedback that we were getting from tv tv works very differently in australia um and uh for someone for people who are as obscure as niche as as maybe weird as people think we are. I don't think we're that weird, but a lot of people think we're weird. Um, I think that's just what people say when they don't know what to make of it. You know, they go, oh, it's weird. <laughs> I, I don't know if we're that weird. Maybe we're weird. It's maybe, I, maybe my brain is so fried. My brain is so fried. I don't know what weird is anymore. <laughs> um, but there's not a lot of straight TV opportunities in Australia. We only have like three networks that have money to like, make content even then we uh, they buy a lot of overseas content and don't make a lot of uh, australian content but because our population is so small uh they're a lot more risk adverse uh the the networks that are risk adverse are um government funded uh and uh lately because of the people that we've had in in power in this country the, the government that we've had um their funding has constantly been stripped constantly been pulled uh, so they have far less money than they have before. So now they can't make as much stuff. Um, they still do take risks, uh, but they can't make as much stuff as maybe as they have in the past. But then we also have incredible government bodies. Like uh, we've got one in Australia called Screen Australia, who have been massive supporters of us. And we wouldn't be where we are today without them. They've funded things like 1999. Yeah. 
and and Glen Ridge. You know, we've pitched to them. They've given us the money to make that. Uh, and this is a government body that essentially just, you know, and it's open to anyone. And they've been super supportive of us and how kind of weird and we are. And it's never been a problem for them. Um, and I'm getting my ass absolutely handed to me in this dogfight, but that's okay. Uh, if I can kill one person, I'll be happy. So, through our journey of, like, you know, making web stuff with, with um, the incredibly supportive Screen Australia and uh, and trying to get pilots up with other networks, we were always, with the pilots in particular, when we were making TV stuff, we were always told, you can't just do what you're doing on YouTube. Yeah. It has to have another layer has to have another element and we always went down the road what we always experimented with or we thought the road we needed to go down was with narrative right we're like we need to flesh out the characters and we need to have like sitcom-esque characters and there needs to be a story that people can hold on to so our first pilot was 50 50 we spent you know half the time focusing on the narrative and trying to tell a story and the other half of the time doing the sketches Mm -hmm. And we tried to make the scare- sketches really come out of the narrative and link them to the narrative in a in a way. And you know, some people liked it. Some people thought thought it was good. Um, but when we look back on it now, we spent too much time doing stuff that wasn't fully our strength, right? Sure. Which was the narrative. And then with our second pilot, even though we thought that. So I don't know why we did this. With our second pilot, <laughs> we wrote a sitcom. It was full narrative. There was no sketch in it, right? Yeah. It was um, it was pure narrative, and it was this. It was like us playing chaperones to like a Justin Bieber esque ten year old pop star, right? <laughs> a really great concept, and it could have been really funny, but in its final execution. We were like, it doesn't, again, it's not focusing on our strength. Our strength is sketch. So when it came time to developing an American project with the producers that we had and them seeing the pilots that we'd done that that hadn't, you know, been the strongest, um, it was like, well, how do we find a way to really, really just focus on what we're good at? And what we came up with is what you see on Netflix. Like it was, okay, so let's try and give the audience something to hold on to by thematically, <laughs> yeah, like thematically linking the sketches, you know? So we still have the opportunity to do whatever we want, but we're writing within a sandbox. And we learned that, you know, that sandbox stuff really works for us with things like 99, with things like Glen Ridge. It's like, let's give ourselves a single location because that not only helps budgetarily, because, mm-hmm. you know, we didn't have a huge amount of money, I mean, more money than we ever worked with, but still, like, you know, we didn't have the money to make every sketch a different location and not that we'd want to do that, really. But it was like, let's set it all in a house and then on top of that, let's give every sketch uh, or let's give every episode a place, a thing, uh-huh. you know, that it can come off to help us write and for the audience to, like, link things and make it a bit more satisfying than just a straight sketch show, right? Um, you have a very high score. My score is zero. I want <laughs> you to know my score is zero. I'm three for zero. <laughs> I'm three I've, for I've zero. played I, this a lot, arguably too much. But <laughs> but this is just against other players, right? Yeah. Crazy. 
No wonder. No wonder this is what's happening to me. Alright. Um, so, uh, yeah, it was like, and then honestly, Netflix and our producers helped a lot in terms of the length of the sketches within the episode and sort of uh, what sketches should go in what order. We thought that we'd sort of nailed that in the writing, but then in the editing we found that we didn't really get it right hmm. once and we had to restructure a lot of the individual episodes as well as the episode order that we'd originally written in. So, you know, Netflix came to us with that sort of... Uh, that wealth of experience and help us shape it into something that I think, in my personal opinion, really works. It, like when yeah. I realized that you you guys were just transitioning from sketch to sketch, but I don't know, almost seamlessly, yeah. like that everything's a drum to straight into the talking dishwasher and then uh, doing a roll call. I was like, the <laughs> yeah, it kind of happens without you like fully registering. Yeah, right. I, I think and, it works so and, well. Oh, uh, thanks, man. It was that was a really big uh, challenge for us in the writing, or a big goal for us in the writing was like we wanted to be able to like fill it with ideas, and we wanted to make it feel like a sketch show, and have it be a sketch show at its core. And when people watch it, go, I'm not watching a narrative. I am watching a sketch show, mm -hmm. but not have to like cut to that Auntie Donna screen where it just says Auntie Donna right. and, and there's images flashing between every single sketch. We wanted to use that as a device, uh -huh. but not the device, you know? Yeah. So we'll, maybe we can transition between sketches with other little jokes, or maybe rather than finding a punchline for a sketch, we can seamlessly put it into another idea. For example, we didn't know how to end the um, roll, call, roll call housemate interview sketch without just ending it, right? Yeah. Or traditionally, you'd come up with some sort of witty punchline that ties the whole thing together, right? Uh huh. Because on YouTube, you just end on your strongest joke. Yeah. You know, you'd put the funniest one at the end and then you'd get the hell out of there. But you can't do that with this. So we had this other little idea about Zach going low res. Yeah. And we'll, what if we just do that? And the transition is that, you know? And then that way we get another little fun idea in there. We get another fun little goof. We get a fun little gag. And it sort of is connected uh, in like almost a stream of consciousness way to the previous sketch. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> it was so much fun to write. And then when it came together in the edit and it worked, in our opinion, it worked. It was like, this is sick. <laughs> All right, well, we're the best. No, we didn't think that. We're just very happy that it sort of, to some degree, worked. Uh, well, on the YouTube side of things, uh, we just got yeah. slaughtered, but that's okay. Mark. It's enough. Okay. Uh, zero kills, zero score. So <laughs> it's okay. I'll put my hand up. I'll say that was my fault. <laughs> uh, on the YouTube side of things, if people haven't watched your YouTube channel, if you could name one sketch to get them into Auntie Donna right now. What would it be? Mm -hmm. Oh, it's so different. People like such different things. <laughs> Look, we have a playlist. We have a playlist. Um, I'll find the name of it right now. And it's sort of the sketches that have been uh, popular or that people have told us is their favorite. And that is a great place to start. A single sketch is, is difficult. But I would say the series... 
a good series to to wet your whistle, if I may, is probably 1999. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, then I would potentially say the Rove tapes and then Glenridge Secondary College. They're good series to start with. Rove, Rove tapes is a little shorter, but they're very nice sort of kind of accessible, shorter, fun ideas. 1999 was one of the first full series that we did that really uh, broke people. Um, but uh, if you go to Auntie Donna, an introduction, that's a really nice short collection of sketches that gives people uh, a pretty good idea about what we do. Do you have a sketch that you feel is criminally underrated? Underrated? Uh-huh. Ooh. Probably one that doesn't get a lot of talk about now uh, that I absolutely adore is um, Haven't You Done Well 2. But that's a very special sketch to me because that was like the first lot of sketches that we shot when we went from a uh, a quattro to a trio. Um, So we were still pretty nervous and not sure if things were going to work or what the go was there. But also it was one of the first times where when I saw the first cut, when uh, director Max showed me the first cut of it, I was like, oh, this is, we've never done anything like this before. And this is a really interesting style. And I thought everyone was so funny and so good at it. And the way Max injected his comedic personality into the edit really set the stage for so many things that came. So uh, a little underrated, but also a very good look at the DNA of what Artie Donna is and, <laughs> and how we sort of got to where we are. That's I, I really love uh, Haven't You Done Well 6, I think, is the wine one. Oh, uh, yes. I love that oh, one. Yes. That, I've shown a lot of friends that one. Um, but if people don't know what that series is, the Haven't You Done Wells, it basically ends with you guys covering yourselves in food, wine, sunscreen like whatever is available (laughs) yeah if you were to do uh a haven't you done well set in star wars what would you cover yourself with (laughs) blue milk yeah milk me up baby (laughs) i want to get that blue milk i also like that um that hyper blue liquid that they're drinking in the in the cantina oh the uh, spotchka yeah yeah, the spotchka. <laughs> give me some spotchka. Just give me blues. Give me delicious blues. Just some bevies with um, the boys. I had, oh yeah, I had blue milk at the uh, at the cantina in Galaxy's Edge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, in Disneyland. And it came with a big cookie. It came with a triple tier cookie. I love that blue milk, man. <laughs> I love that blue milk. Well, <laughs> Mark, thank you so much again for hanging out playing squadrons with me talking star wars thank you yeah where, yeah. where can I people had a blast. oh good where can people watch auntie donna's big old house of fun right now and where can they follow you on youtube twitch etc if you've got netflix search auntie donna on netflix it'll come up hopefully it's in your trending bit on netflix but just search auntie donna uh, it'll come up it's a lot of fun super proud of the show we're just a couple of little dudes from australia who somehow got this big show up in america it's it's just it's ridiculous that it even exists so please check it out auntie donna is available uh uh, we're on facebook the auntie donna twitter uh the auntie donna boys instagram the auntie donna gallery or auntie donna gallery youtube auntie donna check us out i personally i twitch stream i'm on um very polite gamer come in it's absolute chaos come in check it out uh it's a lot of fun I will put links to all of that in the description if you want to check it out for yourself. Uh, Thank you again so much to Mark. Go watch 
big old house of fun. It is hysterical. Uh, thank you all for watching or listening, uh, depending on where you're accessing this. And as always, may the force be with you. And you too, Alex. And also with you. And also with <laughs> you. That's how much of a fan I am. <laughs> Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.